0: Just make plans if you can to be here did you find judges chapter thirteen? Yeah. Believe it or not it 's been a month since we 've been in our study of the book of judges um, and uh, so uh, uh, i 'm not quite sure where Brother Tim left off so we 're just going to review a little bit let 's look at chapter thirteen verse one The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. This is the pattern of judges uh, they 're right with God and Uh, then, Then the judge, the leader God raised up to guide them passes away and almost as soon as the leadership is gone they go their own way and they fall into sin worshiping various false gods and goddesses. As a result of that God allows them to go into captivity to their enemies. Uh, sometimes it's been the Ammonites. Um, this time it happens to be the, the Philistines. Uh, the Bible says the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Uh, hopefully the week after next when we, we resume the study, I'm going to have a map for up here. Um, the Philistines lived along the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, they did a lot of seafaring, uh, but uh, that's, they lived along that area, a narrow strip of land. Today, uh, it's the area that, that is referred to often as the Gaza Strip. Uh, that was where the Philistines uh, were, were, were basically located. The Philistines were a race of very tall people, very large people. Goliath was a Philistine. Uh, Brother Rob's family, on both sides of his mom and dad, are of Polish descent. Polish people are generally very large-statured people. That, hence, Brother Rob. Uh, He's he's got aunts that are like 6'2 and 6'3 and so forth. Um, Obviously, I'm not of Polish descent. Uh, didn't I, I didn't. I didn't get any of those genes. So the Philistines were were just large, large people. They were a very warlike uh, people. Um, they had city states. They often didn't have just one king over all of the Philistine cities. Uh, But every now and then, all of those city-states would join together and form a mass army. Um, Israel was their main target because Israel was right next door to them. In fact, the land the Philistines occupied, uh, God had given that to Abraham and his descendants. They had just never fully conquered it. And so for 40 years, the Philistines um, are, are, are plaguing God's people. Because God's people are no longer following the Lord. Sometimes when we're not walking with God the way we ought to, God will let our enemies overrun us. God will let our problems overwhelm us. Um, It's one of those ways God uses to say, Are you listening now? Are you ready to follow me now? It's called the chastening of the Lord. So the Philistines are are over them. Brother Tim has talked about how uh, there was a man in the tribe of Dan. Dan was uh, probably the smallest of the 12 tribes of Israel. As we have 50 states and every state has their borders and boundaries, in the land of Israel they had 12 tribes and each tribe had their own boundaries. That's why we'll have a map up here, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. You'll find that the tribe of Dan was right in the center of the whole nation of Israel. It's just this little strip of land. It curved northward just a little bit, um, right in the center. The tribe below them was the tribe of Judah and Simeon. They were together in a very massive landmass, and then the other tribes were to the north of them. Unfortunately for the tribe of Dan, they were right there where the Philistines were. They would have kind of been the Philistines' first place of attack uh, if they were going to make some uh, forays into the land of Israel and so forth. And uh, so they suffered a lot of impoverishment uh, because of that, Judah was right there, and uh, they were suffering a lot under them. And so for 40 years, this went on. And in verse 2, we find that there's a man of the family of the Danites. I'm just trying to give you a geography lesson. Hopefully, you can see it in your mind. This man's name was Manoah. His wife was barren and Bare not. Brother Tim has walked us through most of this chapter, how an angel of the Lord appeared to Mrs. Manoah. We never learn her name and let her know that she was going to have a child. And That child, notice if you would please, in verse number 5, we know he's going to be a Nazarite, says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, no razor shall come on his head. For the child should be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Brother Tim walked us through what a Nazarite did. Uh, they weren't allowed to have any fruit of the vine. They couldn't have grapes, raisins, jelly, uh, juice, strong drink that was made from it. Uh, they couldn't touch any dead animals uh, or dead people. They would have defiled their vow, and it would be over, and, and if you will, they'd have to start over. Um, they, uh, they, um, they 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 weren't allowed to t- uh, uh, cut their hair uh, during the time of it, and that was unusual. We've got this image that uh, the renaissance painters gave us that everybody in the bible had all the men had long flowing hair that the women wished that they could have but generally in ancient cultures they didn't do that that hair often like absalom got in the way of battle um, and and that really wasn't the custom in the style in most ancient cultures and so so for for a, a nazirite not to cut his hair that, that stood out as, as it, it was considered odd. It was considered odd. Um, by the way, it, it's considered odd in the Bible days and now because the Bible says it's a shame unto a man if he has long hair. Um, so here's a, a, a child that's going to be born that will never cut his hair. For Samson, boy, this was going to be a lifelong thing. I can't imagine how long his hair would be, you know, uh, as, as he grew older. You know, that type of thing. He was going to stand out. Anybody that saw a Nazarite, watched the way that they ate and, and conducted themselves, understood this person has a vow with God, has a, a very special, dedicated relationship with God. And the angel said to Mrs. Manoah, that's going to be your boy. They were going to have to raise him carefully. They're going to have to answer a lot of questions from a little boy. Why can't I eat that? Why can't I do that? Why do I have to look like that? And they were going to have to be prepared with Bible to help him understand that and to know that he was chosen by the Lord. Um, Notice again at the end of verse 5, God gives the purpose for this child that uh, this lady is going to bear, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Other judges like Gideon and Jephthah and Ehud, some of the ones that we've already studied, they actually delivered Israel in a a fairly complete manner. When they were done with their battle, Israel was a free nation. Like Gideon, it was the Midianites that God had allowed to persecute and and put them under for their sin. When Gideon was done, the Midianite army was just decimated, didn't exist anymore. And the land had had really complete rest and freedom under them. Samson is going to be different. He's not going to give that kind of complete deliverance. The angel said he's going to begin to give deliverance to the nation of Israel. That's important for us to understand. Um, How many have read the story of Samson in the past on your own? How many have done that? How many have found some things about Samson puzzling? Anybody? Yeah, I've scratched my head a couple times. Um, Samson's one of those enigmas. Um, Do you know the Bible says more about Samson more times that the Spirit of the Lord came on him than on any other person in the Bible. More times that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And yet, as we're going to study, he got engaged to an unsaved Philistine woman. In another chapter later on, he went into a harlot. Then later on, he married a Philistine woman named Delilah. Um, And that doesn't seem to fit, does it? And yet at the same time, if you read Hebrews 11, with that faith hall of fame, Samson is listed by name as a man of faith. Um, We're going to walk through Samson's life. Um, We're we're going to find that we don't have to make excuses for Samson uh, or anything like that. There's much to learn from him. If he was a man of faith, I need to learn about that. I need to understand why God would call him that. Um, So we're just sort of seeing the beginning here uh, of Samson's prophetic birth. God has a plan for Samson. I want to interject this. I I don't think Brother Tim has covered this before. There are several people in the Bible that had prophetic births. Um, Jacob and Esau were the twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Did you know that before their birth, God told Rebecca exactly what was going on, her, going on in her womb that she was going to bear twins? And even said, I want you to understand the elder of your sons is going to serve the younger. There was a prophetic aspect about that. Tell me somebody else whose birth was prophesied. John the Baptist. Uh, His parents were, the Bible says, uh, stricken with age, okay? And uh, the angel appeared to Zechariah and let him know they were going to have a child. His name was going to be John, and uh, he was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Who else had a birth that was miraculous, foretold by an angel, that type of thing? Jesus. I was hoping somebody guessed it. You were guessing that first, uh, and so forth. So Samson wasn't the only one like that. Samuel's birth, Samuel's birth was uh, promised by the Lord um, and and so forth. Um, We need to understand something. I'm a pro-life person. I'm not a pro-life person for scientific or medical reasons. I'm a pro-life person for, for Bible reasons. The baby in the womb is not a... Fetus, I know that's the scientific word, it's a baby. It's a human being. It is someone that has a future ordained and planned by God. Um, we need to understand that. Now, I know Samson's birth was prophesied, um, and that made him a very special individual, but not all people that had a prophesied birth, um, or I'm sorry, there were people who didn't have a prophesied birth, and they were just as ordained by God. Keep your place here, if you would. Turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. This was my my wife's favorite chapter of the Bible. This was her favorite portion of that chapter. Psalm 139. Look, if you would please, to verse number 14. This is a Psalm of David. David's birth was not foretold. No angel showed up to his mother And said anything. David, if you will, was born like the rest of us. Uh, He had seven older brothers. He was the youngest kid. But notice what he says, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You realize David is describing his own creation by God. Um, he said that, that uh, God, you had a book, and it had all, all of my members written in there. What color my hair would be. The Bible says he was ruddy. Most people believe that, that David was probably redheaded. Uh, that type of thing. Uh, God, God said the color of his eyes. And, and how far apart they would be. And, and uh, you know, how tall he would be. and the, it was, He said, even before I existed, you had a book and you had all my members in there. Uh, David's birth was known and planned to God. We can grab hold of that too. We aren't accidents. We aren't. Act- How many have ever wished that you were different than you are? And I'm not talking spiritually, just something about you you wish you were taller, smarter, had better eyesight. Something like- anybody? Talk about my entire life. Can anybody guess what I wished? I, I've always wished I wasn't so darn good looking because uh, I'm just tired of people being jealous. It was. It's not fair that Paul Urbanovich gets to be that tall, you know, and I'm down here in the lower stratosphere of things. Um, David said, I'm not going to praise God about anything because I realize I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. This is an aside. I understand that. But it's an important one as we understand the birth and the purpose God had for this man called Samson. In verse... Number four, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly. So who formed him? God did. Who formed me in my mother's womb? God did. Do you understand that? God's being, and he says, before I formed thee, before he was even a thought, before he was conceived, uh, before his parents knew each other. Um, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. That word means I've set you apart for a purpose. I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So before, before Jeremiah was born, God had already set him apart, saying, "This baby's going to grow up, and he's going to be a prophet to all the nations of the world." I pastor one church. That's, if you will, the scope of my influence. I realize live stream may take it a little farther than that. Jeremiah would become a prophet to i Is- am sorry—to Judah, to Egypt, uh, to Babylon. Uh, to Persia, uh, to the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Kenites. I mean, you name it, any nation that was, was in that part of the world, the Middle East, Jeremiah was the prophet, and he had a message from God for every single one of them, and all of those nations knew who he was, and, and God created him to be that. Do you know that God created you to be something too? He created me to be something Um, are we fulfilling that? And it won't all be the same. My point is, the child in the mother's womb is valuable in the sight of God. They are a creation of God, and they are created with purpose. Period. Certification of that, verse 8, Then Manoah entreated the Lord, he's asking God, uh, and said, "Oh my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, Come again unto us. And notice his prayer request. Not only do I want him to come back and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Um, later on when the angel uh, uh, showed up, uh, verse 12, Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? not that amazing thing? They're going to be first-time parents. We're going to assume that they're not 19 and 20-year-olds. We're going to assume, because she's been barren, that, that, that they're probably a little older, maybe late 20s, maybe 30s, maybe in their 40s, uh, that type of thing. Um, so they're a, they're a little bit older in life, but Manoah's one big, driving, burning concern was this, show us how to raise this child. Show us how to order him. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You understand, God knew exactly which home to put Samson into. Because uh, the angel had already given Mrs. Manoah very specific instructions about him being a Nazarite. Um, But beyond that, they didn't have much else to go on, so Manoah is saying, show us. Teach us what we do to this child. Uh, Show us how to order the child. Um, A godly parent always has that desire. Always, 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 always. Trina and I did not have the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. We had no idea what a Christian home looked like. I didn't get saved till I was entering high school. She was a bus kid from the time she was about four years of age. And we both went to churches similar to this. And we saw good homes, but we didn't know what made them good. We saw parents who were raising godly kids that loved the Lord, that were out soul winning, that were serving and had a good spirit and so forth. But we had no idea how that happens. So when Trina and I got married, by the way, neither one of us knew how to have a Christian marriage because we didn't see that in either of our homes. Um, And then children came along, and uh, we found ourselves in over our head right away. So we just started begging God for the wisdom we were going to need. Trina taught me to go to these people who who were rearing godly kids and say, tell me, tell me, what did you do? And and situations would arise. Hey, how did did you handle this? Did this ever happen with you and and your daughter or you and your son? And and, and if so, what did you show them? What did you teach them? How did you help them to get through that? Uh, And so forth. Um, And, and of course, we're we're studying our Bible all the time to find out because as godly parents, we wanted our... we wanted our children to turn out in such a way that we weren't visiting them in juvie. And I'm not, I don't mean that to be funny. We didn't want that. We didn't want that. We didn't, we didn't want to get a call from the hospital that one of our kids had overdosed. By the way, there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect kids. Every child struggles. I don't care who they are. That's why we as parents need lots of Wisdom. How many of you, your kids are gone from the home? You're an empty nester. How many are like that? Okay. Question to all the empty nesters. Do you no longer need any wisdom from God about your kids? Is there anybody like that? You don't need anymore. How many find out just you still do? Sure. And of course, then grandkids come along and, you know, his grandparents, sometimes we have to bite our tongue. How many have done that? My tongue has scars. Uh, sometimes there are, and, and, and so forth. And it's a, it's a brand new dynamic that we have, and we certainly need that wisdom from God. I am not teaching this this morning as a plug for the family conference next week. It's of the Lord's timing that that just happens to be where we are uh, in the background of Samson. He was born into a home with a mom and dad who were very, very sensitive to the leadership of God in their lives. And I know Brother Tim walked through a lot of this chapter uh, with us. Um, uh, Look at verse number 23. Manoah thought because they'd seen the Lord they were going to die, and his wife calms him down. My wife had a way of doing that for me sometimes. But his wife said unto him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things. Now We don't have a whole list of everything that Manoah and his wife got from the angel. Uh, he told them a few things about the, the, the wine, the strong drink, and, and so forth. Um, and, uh, but, but we kind of get the idea from this statement that there were other things that were involved in it. And the woman bare a son, verse 24, and called his name Samson. Does anybody anybody know what the name Samson means? I have never thought to look it up before I studied for this particular lesson. Names in the Bible had meaning. The name Thomas means twin. Maybe that's why I have two sets of twin grandkids. I have no idea. Um, Names had meaning. The name Samson means sunlight. He was born... After 40 years of spiritual darkness and sunlight, he was, if you will, going to be the sunrise, he was going to begin to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines and his parents. We don't know if they were instructed by the Lord to give him that name. Or they did understand God's purpose. The angel told Mrs. Manoah what that little boy was going to grow up to do, and maybe they chose that name on purpose. But his name was Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Isn't that what we want for our kids? The Lord's blessings on them. Um, He's grown, and and I think the context would tell us Mr. and Mrs. Manoah we're doing their dead-level best to raise him as the angel of the Lord instructed them. That, that fits with their character. And this child is growing. He's different from all other kids. Different from all other kids. Um, several years ago, my wife and I went down to Sight and Sound in Lancaster for their production of Samson. Anybody here see that one? I can't say that it was my favorite. There were some very powerful moments in there. But one of the things that the production did is they showed glimpses from Samson's life, and they, they let you know they're taking some artistic liberty, uh, that type of thing, and gave us the idea of a little boy and then a teenage boy growing up, wondering why all these rules, wondering why he's different. And you know when when we're different, people have different reactions. Um, I've been picking Tommy up uh, at his school this week while Rob and Anna are out of town. Tommy's enrolled in what is called the STARS program, uh, and it deals with kids like Tommy that are autistic uh, or or have uh, learning disabilities that they wouldn't function well in a normal classroom. It's it's an outstanding program. Uh, So, that every afternoon during the prescribed time, I, I park my car, walk across the street, talk to the crossing guard for a little while, and then just wait with some other parents uh, till they dismiss, you know, the kids, and, and we we get to take them home. Well, there was a another man there on Friday, and he had a son who is four, and uh, I, I just happened to have uh, shorts on at the at the moment, and. Uh, so I, I get out of the car and I'm walking across the street with this guy and this little four-year-old kid is just staring and he is pointing and, and he's asking his dad, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? And of course, the dad's dying a thousand deaths of embarrassment, you know, oh, shut up, shut up, you know, don't look, it might be contagious or whatever. And, uh, and he said, I'm, I'm really sorry. He said, oh no, not at all. Uh, and that's fine. And I looked at the four-year-old and I said, that's my robot leg. And just like that, I was that kid's new hero. I am Iron Man to that kid. And the dad looked at the kid and he looked at me. I said, there's something about it when, when they see me and I tell them it's a robot leg, it, it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm great for them. Other than that, they just kind of stare and point and they're almost a little bit afraid of that. We do that with people that are different. How many have ever encountered someone from a motorcycle gang like Hell's Angels, Diablos, something like that, how many have ever encountered them? How many find them a little off-putting, a little scary? One Sunday morning we were standing in front of our church in Pennsylvania, our church was up on a hill. You had three flights of steps to get into our auditorium and in between the last two was a landing And between Sunday school and church or before service, oftentimes we'd stand out there and watch people as they parked across the street coming up. We'd wave, call out to them and stuff. And one Sunday morning, this entire fleet of swarm herd of motorcycles came down the street. Everybody in their black leathers, the whole nine yards, bandanas and everything. And they turned into the parking lot. Uh, that, that, uh, that was part of our lease for the building and so forth. And we at first thought they were on some kind of a ride and they were going to go to the little convenience store on the corner across from the street. They all got off their bikes and they all started coming across the street to us. They were coming to church. We had no, no idea if they came to burn the church down, uh, no idea if they were going to beat the pastor up. But uh, my right-hand man was six foot seven, so I just made sure that I was standing right beside Don Hart that day. We had no idea what was, what was going on. We had another brand new family that had heard about our church that coming from another town that pulled in right after them and saw this motorcycle gang walking up the stairs to our church. And uh, the lady told me later, I looked at my husband and said, maybe this isn't the church for us. None of us had any idea. what to do. We were like scared to death. Turns out they were the nicest people in the world. They were... They were a group of former alcoholics and drug addicts that formed this motorcycle club sort of as their version of AA to help keep each other clean. And they rode and, 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 and things like that. And several of them were born again and they heard about our church and they came to our church for, for quite a long time. And you see, we're all kind of oh, motorcycle gang, that type of thing. Turns out they were incredibly nice people. Several of them got saved. They, 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 uh, they, they had a great outreach. They had a great purpose for existing. But we don't always react. I think of a little boy growing up like Samson had to. Mom and dad have their work cut out for him. By the way, so do we, because we're raising kids that are supposed to be different than that lost world out there, especially with the issues that lost world's teaching. The Lord blessed this boy. Notice verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. These were two Uh, regions of that tribe of Dan. We'll have a map up here next week, and I'll try to point that out to you. Um, The camp of Dan probably refers to a military encampment. Each of the 12 tribes would have had their own small standing army. Dan was front line against the Philistines. If they were going to go inland, they were going to come through Dan, and more than likely... They had formed a, maybe a militia, we might call it. They had, they had formed an army. It, it, it probably wasn't very large. Uh, maybe it was just enough to protect their homes, their particular towns, and so forth. And Samson seems to have aligned himself with that, maybe seeking out military training, that type of thing. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in that camp. The Bible says nothing else about what that means about Samson. Um, We we know later on the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson, and he did some remarkable things. He tore a lion in half one time. Try that. On my best day, I'd have a hard time tearing a cat in half, let alone a lion. Um, You know, with the jawbone of a donkey, you know, he slew all kinds of Philistines. Um, On his very, very worst day... He bowed himself with all of his might, grabbing these two gigantic pillars in the temple of Dagon. And he, he, he pulled them together and crushed them, brought the, the roof and the balcony down, and 3,000 Philistines died. And that was on his worst day. We have no idea what, it, what he did when the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. But Samson knows his calling. Mom and dad raised him right. He knows his purpose Samson is in the place where he'll most likely fulfill that purpose. And the Spirit of God is beginning to use him, and we're not sure what God did or how. One thing about Samson, and then we're done. We all have this image of Samson as this massive muscle-bound guy that couldn't put his arms down to his side, uh, you know, that type of thing. I don't think he was that way. Why, biblically? Why would I? Why would I not think that Samson looked, you know, had all these muscles bulging all over him? With that, okay, he would. He would probably look like his mom and dad, and there's no evidence they would have looked like that. Buddy. People would think it was his strength, and we're getting there. Tell me, why why probably was Samson not a big dude? Yeah, it's more incredible when it's a little, little guy like me. It's because Philistines couldn't figure out the source of his strength. That's why they bribed Delilah with all that money. Find out the secret of his strength. They had no idea. How does he do all that? I walked into the gym yesterday to do a little bit of a workout, and this guy came in with me. He was about Um, 6'4". He had muscles on top of muscles. Um, He's probably wearing the right size T-shirt, but it was stretched out as far as that thing would go. Uh, There was not an ounce of body fat on this dude at all, shaved head uh, and all that kind of stuff. And he was working out in in, in, uh, the same area of the gym as I was. I picked up my two 30-pound dumbbells you know, and, you know, knuckle dragged them over to where I was gonna, hopefully going to try to do some bicep curls. He's picking up 125-pound dumbbells, laying on an in, incline bench doing this with a 125-pound dumbbell in each arm. By the way, I wasn't at all surprised because he looked like a dude that could do that. You know what would have been surprising? If I'd have done it. Some little old one-legged dude, if I'd have picked him up and I'm doing that, they'd be walking up saying, what's the secret of your strength? What'd you have for breakfast today? Samson had the power of God on him in an unusual way. Next week, we're going to see where God begins to use him now against the Philistines. We need to stop there. Father, thank you for the Bible.